as we're thinking about ourselves as um, recruiting career services professionals. So being intentional about how to make sure, and I know I tell employers this as well, how do you make sure that your job posting or those experiences attract the people that you want, right, or repel them? So how do you make sure that they see in, in that job posting and on your website uh, the, the alignment with values uh, and what's key and important early on, and you say that up front, uh, so that they can weed themselves out from conversations and points of engagement. Well, we usually do these uh, podcast recordings over Zoom, so I'm used to being able to see my screen and everybody right in front of me, but now I have to look down, so I'm very um, unsettled. But I'm really glad to be here with you uh, in person. Uh, Student Affairs Now is a, a podcast, premier podcast uh, for student affairs professionals. We just crossed 100 episodes, 20,000 YouTube views, and uh, 50,000 downloads. Don't tell them, because they'll get nervous, and we don't want them. Uh, yeah. but they'll be fine. So uh, I want to welcome you. My name is Keith Edwards. I'm one of the five hosts uh, of Student Affairs Now, and I'm delighted to be able to be here to host this conversation with our two great guests in partnership with Simplicity. Uh, as I mentioned, Student Affairs Now is the premier podcast for student affairs and higher education. We release new episodes every Wednesday. It's free. You can sign up for our newsletter. All of that stuff is available there. Lots of different topics, and I'm excited to add this conversation uh, today to that. Uh, today's episode, uh, which we're recording and we'll share out later, is sponsored by Simplicity. A true partner, Simplicity supports all aspects of student life with technology platforms that empower institutions to make data-driven decisions. And today, we're here to focus about how career centers can reconnect, that's the big word, reconnect with students, with employers, and connect, reconnect students and employers together. Couple things I want to mention. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Keith Edwards. My pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm a speaker, consultant, and coach. And you can find out more about me at keithedwards.com. I want to begin by acknowledging that the Portland metro area rests on traditional village sites of the Multanama, Wasco, Cowlitz, Cathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and many other tribes who have made their homes along the Nichiwana what we now call the Columbia River for the past 11,000 years. Um, I'm really glad to both of you being here. We got the chance to talk a little bit ahead of time. We have some questions. Um, but I think first we should hear just a little bit from each of you uh, about you beyond just your, your name and information. Jeanette, we're going to start with you. So tell folks a little bit more about you. Great. So my name is Jeanette Glover, and I have the honor of serving as the Senior Director for Career Services at the University of Florida. University of Florida is the flagship institution in the state of Florida, so we're the home of the Florida Gators, if you're familiar with that. We have 56,000 students. My office is the centralized and comprehensive career services operation in our state. So we support students, alumni, faculty, and staff, and employers to be able to support our efforts. So I get to run that, the center for career services to help students, whether they're choosing or changing their major or trying to figure out how they're prepared for the world of work. I have 33 full-time staff and about 50 part-time staff. The other part of my job is to bring the university community together around career development. So being able to have these conversations at an institutional level as well as the state as we think about how we prepare students for the world of work. And Susan, you have a brand new title that's two weeks old, so let's I, see if we can get this right. I do have a brand new title. So I'm Susan Bauer. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm the assistant 
Vice President and Executive Director for the Shevik Labak Center for Career Strategy and Professional Development. That's a yeah. big business card. <laughs> right? Congratulations. So, thanks. Um, we've kind of always been the career center, but then when you have a family that you know, endows the university with $10 million, you get to change the name of your center and do a lot of really neat things. Um, so I have a, a team of, of 14 people. Um, we have a really robust you know, employer relations side. We just started a marketing and data part of our department, and then we have the career advising side. Um, Yeshiva University is in New York City and in Jerusalem and Israel. Um, in New York, we have one campus in Midtown, very close to the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the women's campus. And then the men's campus is up in Washington Heights, which is a little bit past Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. trying to give landmarks that everyone's yeah. familiar with. Um, but yes, the, the men and the women, they do study um, separately. Um, you know, it is the, the flagship Jewish university in, in the world. It's modern Orthodox. It's very religious. Um, our students spend their freshman year in Israel, and then they come back, and they spend their sophomore, junior, and senior year in um, New York. Um, we have three undergraduate colleges, five graduate schools, but a total population of mm, like 3,400. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very very small. But we have a very large staff. And mm-hmm. talking to Jeanette, you know. Um, but our students are used to um, like a very high-touch environment. They all go to private schools growing up, very small class size, um, very insular communities. So our services really go beyond just the, the, the career department. You know, we're really there for them in so many aspects of their life, and, and I, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad to be in conversation with the both of you, um, different perspectives, di- very different institutions, very different student population. Florida, New York, Jerusalem. We're here in Portland. I'm from Minneapolis. We're sort of bringing all sorts of things here uh, together. So uh, I have some questions. Some of you submitted some questions. We're going to try and work some of those in, um, and then um, we'll see where this takes us. So the the first thing we wanted to do, Susan, is begin with you by asking you, what is really exciting uh, for you about reconnecting with students? Um, We've been through not just COVID and not just social distancing and not just masking, uh, but other events in news and social life and anti-Semitism, which I'm sure affects your student population. Um, Shootings in Uvalde, Texas are sort of salient now. By the time others see this, there'll be other things. So Mm -hmm. um, as you're looking at reconnecting students, um, what is really exciting for you as we move into this? Um, I'm a strategist at heart, so this is really an opportunity to kind of redefine the way that we do things, um, to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a whole new playing field, and you can take a lot of risk. Um, we, we're very nimble. Um, we're a private institution, so we can really experiment with different things. We collect a ton of data. Um, and we can be very reactive to what the employers want, what the students want. Um, you try something one way, it, it works. You do more. You try something, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. You know, you, you do less. Um, we've come up with some really, I mean, of course, technology, that's like, you know, a no-brainer. Um, but we, we redeveloped our whole career advising system um, to be community-based, completely online, um, 
to bring the faculty into career advising, like things that you could never bring the faculty into a tech-based career advising situation. But now that all the faculty know how to use your learning management system, mm -hmm. it, it works. Mm -hmm. It works a lot better. So like we developed, we use Canvas, we developed a, um, a Canvas course that all students are automatically enrolled in, um, as are the faculty. Mm -hmm. So we can partner together in, in that environment. That's been really exciting. Having faculty buy-in is, is amazing, um, as those of you know who work in career centers and, and services. Um, but I think the most exciting thing is what we're learning from the students. You know, it's like, at first it's like, let's do this, let's do this, but it's like, well, do they really want that? Mm -hmm. You know, so we made so many decisions initially oh, let's do this, this'll be great. Everyone wants to come back. Everyone mm -hmm. wants to be in the room together. And it's like, well, why don't we ask them mm -hmm. what they want? You know, oh, employers want to come back to campus. And it's like, well, recruiting teams are so lean mm -hmm. and they became even more so. So who's coming back to campus, right? And you know, if you have alumni employers, they may want to come back to campus. If you have like corporate non-alumni employers and recruiters, they don't want to come to campus. So how are you accommodating all these different things? It's just trial and error. It's like mm -hmm. a really creative time. Well, and, it, and it, time to innovate. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, absolutely. That, that line you had about um, asking for forgiveness yeah. rather than permission means you get to try things yep. and yeah. not be so tied to getting it all figured out and have it perfect and make sure it succeeds and then launch it. But Try some things, learn really quick, mm -hmm. right? It's more of a Silicon Valley way of doing things than a traditional higher I was just going to say that, yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. And I mean, the Israelis are known for innovation, right, and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. So that's just kind of like our parallel for everything. Mm -hmm. We're so entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. We're going to try this a new way. <laughs> and, you know, it goes really far. Yeah. So try those new ideas and then yeah. learn. You yep. mentioned data-driven. Learn as quickly as you can. This worked. This didn't work. And I also I hear from many others beyond career centers that, the pattern that you sort of notice is that students really wanted to come back. They really wanted to be in person. They all wanted to be in the room together. And then they were like, but it's also kind of awesome to do this from my room. Yes. <laughs> and not have to commute and not to do this. So there's sort of a swing yes. and then yeah. a swing back. And I still think we're trying to figure out where that pendulum is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Jeanette, what's, what are you finding that's uh, exciting about reconnecting students for that yeah. career readiness and that early career um, placement? Yeah, I think just like Susan, um, this the excitement to keep our mission and vision at the forefront of what we do. Uh, so we didn't get into this work because of the paycheck um, and our ability to be able to engage in that way, but it's the it, our efforts to have an impact, right, on our campuses, on the students, and their experiences on the world of work and how we do that in an intentional way. So really being excited to keep that vision and mission at the forefront of what we do, but also this engagement with the university community. What we saw on our campus is that alumni um, and faculty and staff and parents and family members really were invested in our work. And so they were um, stakeholders, but contributors and partners to make sure that their company was recruiting on our campus. We had alumni who wanted to be present in virtual spaces with mm -hmm. our students to make sure they understood what it meant to be a student at our institution and at our university. So they were willing to mentor students. They were willing to be what we call career consultants, so having conversations with students about 
professions and industries and degrees that they would have to make sure those students weren't left out. Um, and they didn't miss out on opportunities to be able to engage even though they couldn't be present on our campus for some. And for others, they missed out on some of those university traditions early on. So really having that level of engagement with our community to be able to support and our employers who did the same, who wanted to figure out on our campus how could they connect with their campus? How could they connect with mm -hmm. students? Uh, if they couldn't come on campus, what could they do and how technology supported them to be able to do that? So uh, that excites me, mm -hmm. uh, the connections that we've made, but the opportunities to leverage those connections as we think about the future and how do we innovate and take it to the next mm -hmm. level. I'm wondering if you're seeing, uh, both of you, if you're seeing with Zoom and virtual and having done all of this, that there's more opportunity to integrate that in, this in going forward where maybe alumni who live in LA, mm -hmm. well, I'll come and do this thing. I'm not gonna fly, but I can come and zoom in. And I, I, so the ability for people to be there, or even if they live near the campus, mm -hmm. well, I'll do an eight o'clock thing from home, mm -hmm. right? I can have dinner with my family and come home from work and be able to do this. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm wondering if that has opened up possibilities. And then also asynchronous, where employers might be able mm -hmm. to record something mm -hmm and share it and students can watch it whenever they want to watch it or review it whenever they want. Are you seeing some of those things? Absolutely. Uh, during this two-year COVID in and out experience, we've had over 450 alumni who have signed up to be career consultants. So this idea of being able to give back to the university, seeing themselves in the work that we do, but also wanting to make sure that our student population is not left behind mm -hmm. because that's important and it's dedicated to their efforts and, and intention around it. We've also integrated, as you talked about, the technology. I think you shared that students wanting the ability, one of you did, mm -hmm. about students wanting the ability to be able to stay in their room for mm -hmm. some activity, but then being in person for others. And we've looked at the data and, you know, for some exploratory activities, students are fine with doing that online and with mm -hmm. technology. But when they're really wanting to have a meaningful conversation with a career services staff person about what matters to them and how to make sure that their values are aligning with career and, and making these hard decisions about their career decisions and, and choosing uh, and changing a major or figuring out a, a job that would be uh, better aligned with their values. They want to talk to somebody and they want to do that in person. Yeah. And so really for our office, thinking about the services that we offer, where technology can help us, but also making sure that you have those connection points for students to gauge in person. Yeah, I can't tell you how many career counselors I've had uh, coming into residence halls at eight, nine, and 10 o'clock mm -hmm. at night for multiple weeks on end to try and do that first resume workshop with first year or second year students. Mm -hmm. And then three students are there and then they gotta do another one. And now ability to really do that really well mm -hmm. in a 30 minute or less video that mm -hmm. then students can watch whenever, rewatch, they can send it to their parents. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just some real utility to maximizing everybody's time, mm -hmm. energy, and effort. Mm -hmm. There are a few things that each one of you um, mentioned in the past few minutes that I wanted to touch upon. Um, so for us, we talk about values, right, mm -hmm. and what's important to the students. So our students are very tied to Israel. And if they could, they would do their experiential learning there, which is a little bit prohibitive with the time difference and just the amount of miles, mm -hmm. right, in between the two, two institutions. So um, what happened was we had alumni, mm -hmm. right, um, 
when you when you graduate university and you move to Israel, it's called making Aliyah. Mm. Um, we've had thousands of alumni move to Israel. So what really happened was we had the students in the dorm room who, before the pandemic, wanted to be in person doing an internship in New York in the same time zone, whereas that very first summer we created um, the Summer of Opportunity and we had like over 80, within like a week, mm -hmm. we had over 80 alumni come to the table in Israel to offer remote mm -hmm. opportunities. And, and not just with Israel, you know, students who might not interview for a job that was outside of the tri-state or interview for a job, um, you know, different time zone, whatever it is, the pandemic enabled them to have an internship in Los Angeles, to have an internship in Chicago, to have an internship in Miami. So now what we're seeing is super exciting mm -hmm. because now the students are like, oh, well, you know, I saw this position for Deloitte and it's in Texas. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you'd go to Texas? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, my friend did an internship remotely last summer and had the best experience. So that's been really, really exciting for us. Mm -hmm. So the students kind of you know, crossed these bridges into these areas where they never would have gone before, mm -hmm. and they're loving it. Well, and they might also find they don't have to move to Texas, right? right? Where you work and That's, where you live might be two right. separate things right. in some yeah. sectors. Well, we've talked about reconnecting with students. Jeanette, how are we reconnecting with employers? What are the challenges there? Uh, reconnecting with employers, how are we doing that differently and connecting them with students? Um, with employers, I think one of the things that I think about with a question is the, just a reminder of how essential and centric the relationship is that career services has with employers and bringing that relationship and that intention for the relationship back to the forefront. So again, being mission and purpose driven. Uh, we are in the relationship business in career services mm -hmm. as career services professionals. And so our ability to focus on having good relationships on our campus, but also having good relationships with industry partners is key and essential to what we do. Uh, so the pandemic has created an opportunity for us to, one, continue to focus in on those relationships with those companies who continue to be on our campus ongoing, but also being knowledgeable and aware that many of those companies are having and experiencing their own forms of turnover. So they're getting mm -hmm. new recruiters uh, that are on their campuses and they're getting uh, new folks who are now charged with their college campus recruiting portfolio. Um, and for a short time period, they're gonna support what's written in the, in the notes for, um, from that past recruiter, right? Who said, this is the school I need to be. Uh, but at some point, they're going to say, do I have a relationship on that campus? Do I see the value add that that institution is bringing? And how are they connecting and, and listening to my needs and being intentional about that work? So the pandemic has allowed um, us at UF to really focus in on the employers who've been tried and true and making sure that we're listening to their needs and being intentional about what we do, but also seeking out other companies uh, that our students have an interest in working in, but also the new and innovative organizations that are coming out that maybe in the past we might not have given attention and effort towards because that's important for our students and that's important for the economy mm -hmm. um, and going back to mission and vision driven about the work that we do. Mm -hmm. So keeping relationships at the forefront, uh, being nimble as you talked yeah. about, of being able to 
reinvent and reimagine services and, and levels and points of engagement for our campus and uh, never saying that no there's not something that we can't do there might be a different way that we might have to introduce this to our campus but being open mm -hmm. I think um, <clears throat> excuse me coming from a small school you know some of you may work at a smaller institution that's not as well known and you're trying to make those inroads with employers oh well we have our core schools that mm -hmm. we recruit from mm -hmm. we go to their campus and and we brand there and then we have our core virtual schools that we work with and I'm like well if you're not a core in-person school and you're not a core virtual school how is anyone else getting a job at your company mm -hmm. oh they just apply through the website so that has all shifted mm -hmm. because the going on campus went away mm -hmm. so recruiters their their units their departments became very very lean right and now what we're finding is we're not hearing the core school anymore mm -hmm. we're hearing we have a posting and we'll give you a unique code for your students we're not coming to your campus mm -hmm. but it's not applying into the Bermuda Triangle either mm -hmm. um, and we've had more employers coming to us since since the pandemic which has been really really amazing um, we have a huge alumni population mm -hmm. a very we're blessed with a very successful alumni population you also mentioned mm -hmm. you know the alumni really coming to the table now so we are relying on them more than ever before to make those inroads too because before the alumni would go to their HR partner I know we have a lot of people here from your school but they're still not a core school mm -hmm. and now it's wow we do have 20 people here from your school let's recruit there mm -hmm. because we don't have to go there it doesn't cost us anything so our students are getting more and more opportunity than than ever before post-pandemic Our I hate this word and after I say it we're gonna pretend I never said it but our placement rate yeah. mm -hmm. um, has been higher the past two years mm -hmm. than ever before and we're getting a variety of place, right? So we can bring mm -hmm. in more employers from broader places. Right. Students are maybe willing to go to more places than they were before. Um, we had a question from uh, one of our audience members beforehand that we were chatting about earlier and is a bit of a stumper. So here we go. Um, someone wanted to know, what are the strategies for connecting with employers that are not working? Are there any strategies to connect with employers that you're seeing failing and the innovation and trying mm -hmm. that that's not working I think one piece the, the listening to um, the statement that you just shared and, and I know it was a stumper I was <laughs> like well, what, are, what are the things mm -hmm. that are not working because a strategy that might not work for one company might work for another so for me that strategy doesn't go off the table it, it may you know go in the drawer and it's like okay this doesn't work mm -hmm. for Deloitte so but it might work for PwC so we don't we don't leave that off but um, the point of really taking advantage of or leveraging this opportunity that we have to have whether it's alumni um, or some type of engagement with a company is a strategy that's 
something that we've been using that has been helpful. So I am working with our IT department, our purchasing department on our campus, looking at our graduation survey data about where our students are going after graduation, and being able to use that data and information to inform our decisions about what types of companies or what particular companies that we might go after for recruitment. And then connecting the dots, really telling the organization why you were selected, why at the University of Florida we're seeking you um, for an entity to be able to hire our students because you, you know, you, we have a contract with you, Pepsi, you know, on our, on our campus. And so that is the only um, software, not software, what is it called? Drink bottling company that we can we use on our pop. campus. Yeah, whatever. yeah that, we can, that we can use on our campus. And for that reason, this is the reason why that you should be hiring students at the University of Florida. And so really being able to partner with other entities on our campus that's helped, I will tell you, uh, my senior leader for purchasing has been open to add that component into contracts to make sure that they're hiring our students for internships and jobs and as an expectation for them to do that. So if you haven't asked that question, that's an opportunity to do that as well. Also say your IT department, the senior leader for IT for technology is willing, has been willing to be able to add that component in to talk about if you're doing business at the university, you should also be hiring our students and taking advantage of that as well. Mm -hmm. So I think with the strategies, one might not work with sure. a particular company or organization, but keeping those ideas in the drawer and trying to figure out which one might work uh, and bringing them out as needed. Mm -hmm. We had a few bombs. Good, yeah. here we go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We definitely had some misses. So before the pandemic, you had fairs, right? You'd have your general annual fair for all majors, and then maybe you had a fair for a certain graduate school or a liberal arts fair or a business fair, right? So all of a sudden, all of that's gone, right? So the employers don't know how to recruit in a virtual environment. I mean, Simplicity has a platform, a million different platforms popped up to do virtual fairs. So our bombs, okay. Um, the thing that was really good about this was that it needed to happen, and I think some of you will agree, the career fair needs to go away. It just, it, it, it does, that everybody coming, all the employers in the room, everybody, you need to do targeted recruiting events. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to have, and you don't call them fairs, you call them meet and greets, networking socials. Mm -hmm. You call them different things and, and more people come to the table because there's not that hiring pressure. You know, mm -hmm. so we started doing everything virtually. And for some disciplines, that worked really, really well. Mm -hmm. Like our virtual tech fair, mm -hmm. right? really well. Lots of employers, everybody on board, everything sinking, working really well. The virtual nonprofit fair, mm -hmm. not so much. Mm -hmm. Not so much. It was a tech nightmare on the employer side, on the student side. Literally, we came to the decision that, okay, we're going to have a fair for this, and we're even going to call it a fair. This is one area <laughs> where you always just have to call it a fair. <laughs> um, but you know, we we had we never had a unique event for real estate before, right? And we have a ton of alumni in, in real estate, and we thought, great, we're going to do this virtual real estate event. The feedback was awful. What do you do in real estate? 
You shake hands. Mm -hmm. You make deals, right? You make eye contact and you do all the lingo and the language. And in a virtual environment, there's no connection, Mm -hmm. right? Similar with marketing. So now we know what needs to be in person, what needs Mm -hmm. to be virtual, Mm -hmm. just because of the nature of it. Like with tech, we'll always do it virtual because it's a thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And and as we, we... build upon this model, you know, we have a community model now, so we're doing different recruiting socials and and things like that for each different community. We're learning what needs to be in person, what Mm -hmm. needs to be virtual, Mm -hmm. and then we're also building a space where we can do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. A unique, dedicated space, Mm -hmm. because I was able to get that $10 million. Mm -hmm. So we can have... Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) So good. we can have a space where we can have a certain amount of employers in person mm-hmm. for students to come and meet with, but you also have these individualized rooms where you can do all the virtual, where the employer from LA or Israel or wherever can do 15-minute sessions and the students can have both. Okay. Um, there's some key terms that are coming up here. I've heard uh, both of you focus on innovation. I've heard both of you focus on purpose. Right? When we don't know our purpose, then we can't improvise when things don't go as planned. And when do things go as planned? Uh, engagement, relationships, and then also data informed. So those are some themes that I'm hearing. Um, I'd love to shift this to what are the, the challenges and opportunities you see going forward, both at, when working with employers and with working with students? Um, Susan, I think we're going to start with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So something that... Is, is really big and like in, in my department, and I'm sure with a lot of you, just because of the nature of what we do, the relationships you have with your team, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in person before the pandemic, you're in person, you're doing kumbayas, you're going hatchet throwing, or whatever you're doing, you're doing all these like team building things. So I would now, have bet the hatchet throwing would have been Florida, not Yeshiva. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me, but okay. We have some really fun alumni. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was all about, like, community within our department, within our broader alumni community, culture, work culture. So then you go into the pandemic, and we all start to separate. And we had two new hires start within two weeks of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So they never experienced us, mm-hmm. right? So now there's no us. Mm-hmm. They're kind of detached. They don't get our sense of humor. Mm-hmm. They don't get the alumni vibe. You know, they, they never had that. And then you're apart for 16 months, right? And then people start realizing, wait a minute, I can get a remote gig anywhere I want. I work from home all the time. Like, I don't need to go back to campus. So then you have shifts in your team. And then you have all these openings, right? How do you bring people in? I have openings now if anyone's interested. You can I contact don't. me. We both do, all right? We both do. We'll have yes. a booth outside That's for right. our <laughs> um, But how do you develop your team, redevelop your team, reinvigorate your team to be mission-driven mm-hmm. and, and, to, and to learn about the institution? and why students attend this institution. Is it because it's public? Is it because it's religious? Is it because it's first generation? Mm -hmm. Whatever the reason is, I feel now 
the recruiting conversations for the positions I'm trying to fill, well, what's the remote policy? And it's like, well, how much do you know about our, our values and our mission here at Yeshiva University? Wait, I heard you could work from home four days away, and it's just, it's lost. So those relationships and everything I just described, that transcends. Employers feel our values. Employers like the continuity. An employer, especially a recruiter, you know, they don't want a different person all the time reinventing the message who has the crib notes who like mm -hmm. so that that's really something that we're struggling with right now is how do we fill our open roles how do we keep that sense of community how do you hire people that are mission driven that aren't just looking for you know how many remote days mm -hmm. or can I get my graduate degree here for free if I come here? Um, it, it's, it's totally changed the landscape. It's, we want to keep the warmth and, and the passion and the yeah. love for what we do. Um, and I think when we're all together doing that, the employers feel it, the students feel it, our team feels it. And now it's, it's very, very different. It's more tra not tr totally transient, mm -hmm. but, um, but, but yeah, that's the challenge. I think everyone's feeling it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would say, uh, it, in similar along the same lines, the, the competing priorities, mm -hmm. right? So when you're talking about um, for students, for that matter, like how do we try to get their attention about our services and resources on our campus? And for the employers, they want us to have the students' attention, but also we want the employers' attention to recruit on our campus and, mm -hmm. and to make sure we're one of those core schools, regardless if it's in person yeah. or virtual. We just want to be a part of the the team of select schools that employers will come on. Um, but then also, even in our career centers, as we think about our staff and, and our offices and operations, I mean, we are being pulled in so many different avenues to yeah. focus on how do we engage students? How do we help the campus community? How do we support employers? Uh, if you're a state a public institution, how do you support uh, your governor and the state economy and expectations around that? Mm -hmm. If you're a private institution, you have your donors to yep. be able to support, and how do you cater to their, their needs and being intentional in that work? Um, that I think creates an opportunity for us to be able to go back, for me, the mission-driven, right, the, the impact that we can make and being intentional about what we decide to focus on to be able to support our campus community and what we're trying to do. Um, and that's aiding our students to be able right. to see that as well, right? So helping our students. We have a mental health concerns on our campuses, right, when we're thinking about our students and how they engage. So helping our students to see the agency that they have, mm -hmm. right, and their decision um, their intentional decision to make a choice to take action, to apply for a job or an internship experience, to participate um, and get involved in some sort of activity or effort or to meet with one of our staff to help them in their career development, that they have that ability and effort to do it. I, I think on our, as we're thinking about ourselves as um, recruiting career services professionals, so being intentional about 
how to make sure, and I know I tell employers this as well, how do you make sure that your job posting or those experiences attract the people that you want, right, or repel them? So how do you make sure that they see in, in that job posting and on your website uh, the, the alignment with values? Uh, and what's key and important early on, and you say that up front, uh, so that they can weed themselves out mm -hmm. from conversations and points of engagement. And I know I've said to my team, and, and we live that, I am not afraid to keep a job posted and keep it open. So we just won't hire anybody right. because it has too much of an impact, it really right? Does. It changes yeah. the culture, yeah. it changes the work and the people, and you want to be working alongside of colleagues and partners who, who mm -hmm. um, align with mm -hmm. purpose, vision, and values. Mm -hmm. Something else, it's, you know, people work in accounting maybe because they love numbers and they're good with spreadsheets, right? Yeah. So people work in, in career services because they really want to help students mm -hmm. succeed. And sometimes what I'm finding now is that you have to sacrifice some of that because the pressure for enrollment, mm -hmm. you know, we're admissions people now. Mm -hmm. We're like part-time admissions people. Yeah. Like we have all of our post-graduation data visualized in Tableau mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. on our website. And I do trainings with admissions. Mm -hmm. So when they're on the road and a parent says, well, if my daughter majors in this, how much money will she make and where will she work? They can go into Tableau and pull up all these different mm -hmm. visualizations and God forbid, if there's an error or a mistake or something, and it's not like 10 students were given misinformation, even if one prospect mm -hmm. is given misinformation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so we have so much pressure mm -hmm. right now. Um, we're, we're pillars yeah. of our institutions. You know, it's where where is my student going to get a job? Where is my student going to, to be placed? Um, and the parents are just like, in this COVID, in this post-COVID, you know, they're like all over the place. And, and the admissions people are just like, go talk to Susan, go talk to the career center. <laughs> and then it's like, yes, this is what we're going to do for your student because everything's different now post-pandemic. They want to engage. They come see us all the time. Like, no, they're still the same kids, you know, but the... The, the pressure that we're under yeah. um, to make the career center the crown jewel of the institution, it's hard if some of those things don't align with your own mm -hmm. values, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what you have to do. Well, and I think higher ed as a whole has sort of seeded the argument that the purpose of this education is not lifelong learning, it's a job placement mm -hmm. on the day after graduation. Right. And mm -hmm. When we've seeded that argument, that's what people come expecting, right? right? And so how do, we, how do we remind them that there's a bigger purpose here? And it's not just the, the first job, but it's also the seventh job. That's right. I mean, how many of you are on, I'm on my seventh <laughs> career, yeah. right? I yeah. remember reading that and being told that in elementary school, you have seven careers. I'm like, jobs, there's no careers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but that is the way life is played out. I have a question from the audience here about the challenges, um, which we ha one we haven't gotten to, but how do we ensure a unified, equitable experience for all students when some are being left out because of their own access, their own choices, their own limitations, and then the systemic ones that are in place? So yeah. how, do we, how do we do that? How do we foster equity when um, I think we see so much that the past 16 months, two, and a, two years, two and a half years, whatever mm -hmm. time frame you want to say, 
um, the folks that the world worked well for, it works better for, and the yeah. folks who struggle, they're struggling more. The haves and the have-nots right. have gotten sort of greater. How do we foster a greater equity? Yeah. I heard a colleague say, and I've taken it under my belt to keep saying it, but um, that in career services, we are um, and have been in the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion from the beginning. So if anybody is working and focused in on social justice work, that's what we do in career services. So we're really focused and intention, intentional about making sure that all students on our campus, so whether mm -hmm. it's my campus or your campus, we're looking at all students having a unique career experience and making sure that they have opportunities available to them regardless of their background. Mm -hmm. I think the pandemic has allowed for technology and, and for us to grow um, in our use of technology and digital tools to be able to help and engage students. Uh, but I have found, and my team and I, is that there's more emphasis and work that we need to do to educate our students on how to use the tools and how to use them responsibly. So we can have these tools that create opportunities for access, but if our students don't know how to use the tool um, to be able to support them as they're, they're sourcing and looking for opportunities, then they are set behind and this continuation uh, process is continues to propel itself in that way. So I think our mission being, you know, continuing to be driven by that. And when we say all, we really truly mean all. Um, and so Susan, we were talking about job postings. On my campus, we don't um, deny legitimate employers the opportunity to post jobs and experiences on our campus, even if we don't like them. So that is related to genetically modified foods on our campus or um, experiences with marijuana and other substances. All of those things are open on our campus. Um, they're from a legitimate employer and it is not my job or my responsibility to decide what opportunities are available to my students. That is the student's responsibility to decide on what's available to them. So taking that all component and really embodying that, I think mm -hmm. is really important for us to be able to figure out. And then encouraging our students to use their values to help guide them as they look at uh, companies and organizations that they want to align with. So if, if they have things on their website or their presence does not embody somewhere where you would like to see yourself growing, then that's a, a company that should go off of the plate for consideration and just helping them to see their power and their agency in that process. We have, you know, unique um, considerations. So the whole diversity and equity and inclusiveness has had an adverse effect on our student population. So we have a very, very, very small population of international students, if, if that's considered diverse. Um, but 99.9% .9 of our students are white and, and Jewish and have all grown up in the same communities um, with the same values and, and, and um, the same beliefs. So we get so many postings post this for your veteran students, post this. Now, yes, we do have students that are in the Israeli defense. Like if we have mm -hmm. Israelis that you know, go to Yeshiva University, they have to serve, mm -hmm. right? So we have a small like, you know, veteran population, 
but the, the, the only thing that we really push is women in STEM mm -hmm. because our women's um, computer science program and our STEM programs are just booming and we have like 100% placement in that area. Mm -hmm. So that's our big diversity thing. We're like, what do we have for the women in STEM? What do we have for the women in STEM? Um, and it's, it's been really, really challenging because we sit around, like how you say on one hand, Jeanette, you won't deny an employer mm -hmm. the opportunity to post. We have to like sit around in our staff meetings. So if a manufacturer wants to post a job with us and they manufacture women's swimwear, can we post that? Can we not post that? Anything that has to do with marijuana, can we post that? Can we not post that? And a lot of times I'll bring in a rabbi or the provost, or, and we have to have these conversations about what we can post, what we can't post, but the amount of things that, that we've been getting um, for diverse candidates, we don't post. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's either we don't post because we don't have them, or we don't post because we just don't post. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's been a challenge. Um, you know, we've tried to think outside of the box um, so being that we have so many um, students in, in STEM-related fields, Google, for instance, they do something, I don't know, has anyone ever heard of the Google Games? Okay, so they, before the pandemic, they have this annual event, the Google Games, and, and every year it has a theme, and different universities in different you know, um, regions of the country, they all compete, all their STEM students compete, um, and these games traditionally were on Friday and Saturday. Mm. So we went to Google. We're like, look, we don't have a lot. I mean, come on. you got to work with us here. Yeah. Like, you're hiring our students. Give us a chance. You know, um, you do this thing on, on Friday and Saturday night. And they're like, well, if you can get this many teams and this many women and this many men and whatever, and we did it. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, well, we're coming to the table. We're doing it. So it was like us, um, New Jersey Institute of Technology, Stevens, mm -hmm. um, RIT, mm -hmm. like a, you know, a bunch of schools in the area. And they moved it until after sundown on Saturday and all day Sunday. Yeah. So we were able to put our students yeah into the environment where their uniqueness, where they could be competitive, mm -hmm. you know, with everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I know every institution has different, you know, um, different ways of working and, and things that you, challenges that you create workarounds for. Um, but, you know, on one hand, it was like, you know, we're not a very diverse institution, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, we're able to go to all of these, like, yeah. you know, big tech employers and, and, and get them to do things on Sunday because if they don't, we're going to tell everybody. There you go. <laughs> We're going to tell everybody that you're excluding the Jews. Yeah. So you have to do it on Sunday. And, and, and that's, I mean, you would never really think of religion as, you know, um, but in a lot of aspects it is. A lot of the super days, investment banking, super days, um, these things happen on, on Friday at happy hour time. Our students are home by 4 o'clock, you know. Yeah. So it's, it, a lot of that has shifted to accommodate yeah, which I think, to your point, it makes me think about the importance of modeling and representation, right? So why that matters and mm -hmm. why that's important. Uh, and for you doing that for your student population who's Jewish, but the opportunity for others to see, right, 100%. right that they should also, and they can, they mm -hmm. can also request an accommodation, an accommodation, right, to be able to support them in that space. 
I'd just love to get from both of you, I think technology made some things that weren't accessible before more accessible. I'm thinking about students with mobility issues, students with different learning disabilities, um, students on the autism spectrum, things like virtual might be more accessible to them than the in-person and, and reading body language and things like that. I'm wondering what are the obstacles that technology has put in place that you've had to navigate around to create equity and accessibility mm -hmm. for students? You want me to take? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, you're talking about, you know, neuropsychological disabilities mm -hmm. and autism, um, whether it's anxiety, depression, things that have really come to the forefront, um, that have always been there, but now are like really out there. Those students don't do as well mm. virtually. Mm -hmm. they, they really don't. And it's hard to engage. And you don't know where, where they're looking, where their mm -hmm. mind is, you know, what's going on. If they step out of view, where are they going? Are mm -hmm. they coming back? Um, and I think in person, it's a lot easier to work with those student populations. Um, you know, so we have started doing hours in the residence halls. Mm -hmm. We do hours on Sunday mornings because the Sabbath is over Saturday night. So Sunday morning, a lot of kids are really anxious. Mm -hmm. You know, like I haven't been communicating for like 25 hours and I have to get a job and it's Sunday morning. Whereas a lot of career centers would be like, yeah, it's the weekend. Mm -hmm. But for us, we're like, you know what? We have these kids, and they are really anxious, and they've been inside with their parents mm -hmm. with no technology for like 25 hours. So we're going to start offering them appointments on Sunday morning to try to help with that. Going into the communities, um, the you know the synagogues, the shuls where the students have religious services, working with the rabbis more to bring programming into their congregations, which again, like you said, it doesn't just have to be because it's a Jewish institution. Yeah, okay. It can be really um, any type of, a, mm -hmm. of a, a service, but those are students that, you know, maybe on one hand, it's easier for them to access things virtually and then through all, these, all the technology if they have physical limitations, mm -hmm. but those with neuropsychological disabilities and limitations, I think it makes it a lot more challenging. Mm -hmm. And you really have to think about how you're going to reach those students. And also knowing that a lot of them are home and their parents have the soup can up to the wall, <laughs> you know, trying to listen to everything yeah. that's going on. Or their passwords. Or, or their passwords or, or whatever it is, yeah. you know, where in person the students feel more comfortable um, regardless of their, their disability or their accommodation. They just yeah. feel, you know, more comfortable for a lot of reasons. But you take that student, put them at home, a million distractions, you know, hovering parents or siblings or dog or, or whatever it is, and it makes it really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to create equal services for, for those students, I think, is incredibly important. Yeah. I think the reality that in-person engagement will never go away and the value of it is just key, right? So we can have the, all of the technology and we've done that with the pandemic. Like we did everything online and virtual and remotely. And I think about the example that you gave uh, about folks that you hired during uh, the pandemic, right? Uh, and I won't take a poll, but folks that you might have hired on your campus during the pandemic and now that you're in person, 
did those, did those individuals really connect with your culture, with the organization in that way? Uh, and some of the opportunities that we have with in-person to read body language, yeah. to, to touch, to see, and to engage, those, those, those concepts don't go away. So technology can be a tool that we use. Artificial intelligence has helped our recruiting partners as well as us, even on my campus, we were able to use um, some of the, the systems to be able to support helping to screen candidates sooner and early to, to make sure that folks align. But the education, again, to our students about how to use these tools mm -hmm. successfully and the ethics around these tools yes. and making sure that the, the information that is in those tools are going to be able to support all students, again, in that process mm -hmm. is going to be key. Um, but the in-person piece, the, the opportunity to engage in person and for people to be able to see and connect is still a value add when we're talking about relationships the candidate experience, recruiting, um, and career services. Great. Great. Well, we are running out of time, and the podcast is called Student Affairs Now. So I always like to end with our last question being, what are you thinking about, pondering, troubling now? It might have something to do with the conversation we've had today, or Jeanette, it might just be things yeah. that you're thinking about. So, um, and you can also share with folks where you might want them to, if people want to connect with you, maybe where they would do that. Yeah. But, um, but what are you troubling now? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a people, right? So I know on my campus we're hiring in career services, so if you know anybody um, who is interested in moving to the great state of Florida. Um, but it's the people, like the people are the most important component of our job, right? Like we and our team, bring our work to life and that passion and the commitment for students to be successful, but our campus to be able to take those efforts to the next level is so important. Uh, and so being intentional about um, thinking about students, right, who are now in college and about the pipeline into career services uh, and what that looks like as, as folks continue to think about what, uh, what their career trajectory looks like and can be and the possibility of that. Also being able to support our staff and our teams. Yep. Um, we've had a heck of a past two years when you're thinking about everything that we've been asked to do on our campus uh, and our care for students. And if somebody says pivot one more time, <laughs> right, uh, about how we've had to be able to work creatively and being uh, innovative and pillars on our campus, right, mm -hmm. to help with enrollment mm -hmm. management and alumni mm -hmm. and everybody else. And so thinking about the people and really hoping and desiring that, you know, we're hiring great people who see themselves aligned with the mission and the vision of what we do. Uh, and they're able to see opportunities and to take action, to use those opportunities to take care of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. That higher education will continue to evolve. Um, so as we talk about the ability to work remotely or working with people with their schedules and uh, showing concepts of care and health and well-being, that those pieces are integrated into our work. So that's the stuff that keeps me uh, energized, but also keeps me up of thinking about how are we going to support our people and making sure that they're feeling the care and the support that we're committed to providing for our students in our campus. You know, you mentioned um, pivot, uh -huh. right? Um, people, yes. pillar. Uh-huh. Oh, look at that. Look okay. It's, well, a there's block <laughs> it's a blog post. Okay. There's, the, there's, the, there's that other P word that I mentioned earlier, that placement, placement. word. Right? <laughs> so... 
I, I think a challenge now, I think we were really um, making some headway with the fact that it's not placement, that it really is strategy and design and career decision-making self-efficacy. That all went out the window. Mm. <laughs> and the people at the very top, you know, your trustees and your donors and the president um, and his or her, you know, cabinet or C-suite, if you will. Um, it's semantics in a lot of ways, but, but right now it's placement, 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 placement. So the challenge that we have is we want to keep all of them very happy, and we want them to believe that we're doing placement in the traditional sense of like a third-party recruiter but that's really not what we're doing, right? <laughs> so we're still doing like our strategy and all of our other stuff, and we just like package it all up and, and call it placement to keep them happy. Um, we came up with a really unique talk track to the higher-ups to kind of convince them that we're doing placement in the way that they think it's placement, and it works. Um, I can talk to anybody about that at a different time if you want that pressure off your shoulders. Um, but, but that's something that we're really struggling with now is, is I, f I felt like we finally made progress. Like, no one said placement in, like, 60 days. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, that's where you start your career planning. Is that what it's called, Susan, yeah. or pathing, or, or what is it? You know, now it's like placement office. Um, and I get it. I get it. I get the pressures. I get the admissions pressures, the enrollment pressures, the parental pressures. I mm -hmm. understand. And placement's a very familiar word mm -hmm. that has a very intended meaning. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you provide that and reassure everyone while still maintaining our passion yes. and love for what we do and that we're not machines just mm -hmm. cranking out job offers mm -hmm. and, and everything else? I think that's something that we're really struggling mm -hmm. with now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think we've seen this not just in career education, but across all of higher education is when um, resources dwindled, we lost staff. I mean, I don't know anybody who's fully staffed. So if you are fully staffed, congratulations. Don't tell people. They don't want to hear it. Um, uh, we have had to cut back. And what we've done is we've cut back to survival, the, just the bare basics, the placements, the bare functioning. And that makes sense. There's no joy mm. in survival. There's no renewal. There's no rejuvenation there. Right. So I think a different method is how do we go from cutting back to just the basics yeah. to how do we cut back to the thriving, mm -hmm. to our purpose, mm -hmm. right. to what really nourishes us, mm -hmm. and how do we say there's a bunch of other stuff we could do, but we're really yeah. going to get focused on that. And I think that's a very different thing, but it, it is shifting from the short term, yeah. whether that's enrollment, whether that's housing numbers, whether that's placement to we are here to offer a long-term right. career decision-making, pathways, mm -hmm. um, all of that. And if you do that well, it will work here that's in the great. next 100%. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. And then, Jeanette, you're pointing to something that I see uh, with so many folks, which is, and, and I know we're all hearing it, is that uh, potential employees want to be treated like people, mm -hmm. not employees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't want to just be seen as another cog in the widget-making mm -hmm. machine. They want to be seen as people who have their own values That's and their right. disagreements and their schedules and their flexibility and, and ways of doing things. And I think you're speaking to that in terms of how we bring people into the operations mm -hmm. we run as we go. 
Well, this has been fabulous. Thank you to both of you for sharing and contributing. Thanks to your leadership on your campuses and the broader career education community and your contributions mm -hmm. today. We really appreciate it. And thanks to Simplicity, who hosted this event and made all of this possible. Um, and Simplicity would like to invite all of us to a happy hour uh, at Forte Wine Bar and Coffee Shop. We will be there. We will yes. be able to chat with you. We hope we'll be able to connect with you there. And so thanks for all of you for being here and joining us. Um, my name's Keith Edwards. Thanks again to our fabulous guests. We hope you have a wonderful experience here in Portland at the NACE Conference and Expo. Have a great night.